one of the things which Satoshi probably did wrong was the fact that he never defined Bitcoin protocol as a standard. He wrote just a software. And uh, it led to a multiple hard forks, unintended hard forks. Uh, the Lightning Network, which was created with an idea of being reckless, quickly innovate, iterate, experiment, even not being afraid of failing, it ended up being more ossified than Bitcoin layer one. If there is something that somebody needs to test, like discrete log contracts on Lightning, or another structure of channel uh, on Lightning, uh, you can take LNP, uh, node and uh, LNP library and you can in a very simple way add new functionality without rewriting other parts. This year, at the beginning of this year, like two months ago, we completed the release of version which we called 0.10, which is expected to become the version 1. And this version finally ships everything that we believe RGB must have. Client-side validation is I believe it is a killer, it's a blockchain killer. So that's why sometimes we are saying that uh, RGB is a post-blockchain smart contracts. Maxim Orlovsky is the founder of the LNP BP Standards Association and is the creator of the RGB smart contracts protocol, which is based on the earlier work of client-side validation and assets on Bitcoin and Lightning introduced by Peter Todd and Yakimo Zuko. In our conversation, we explored the importance of having standards in Bitcoin and in Lightning. We discussed what RGB is, how it works, and why it is important. And then we got into Maxim's additional work on things like LNP node and Renoster. If you enjoyed this episode and if you learned something new from it, the best way you can show your support for the show is by sending in sats over the Lightning Network. You can use any podcasting 2.0 app to do that. There are dozens of them out there, but my favorite one to use is Fountain. Before we get into today's show, just a quick message from our sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by Voltage. Voltage is the premier provider of Bitcoin and Lightning node infrastructure. Today's show is also sponsored by Stackwork. And Stackwork is a lightning-powered transcription tool that takes the best of AIs and humans to create better, faster and less expensive transcripts. We'll have more from Voltage and Stackwork later in the show. Maxim, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today about all that you're working on. RGB is a topic that I've heard a lot of people discussing. A lot of people have asked me to you know, uh, put an episode together on RGB and, and have someone come on and, and I figure you're the perfect person for that. But before we get into RGB, exactly how it works and what it is, why don't you give listeners a backstory for yourself from the moment you kind of discovered Bitcoin and said, ah, this is something interesting to today and, and all the kind of like the evolution of your, your understanding of Bitcoin and, and your um, experience building on Bitcoin. Uh, thank you very much for inviting on your show and giving this opportunity to discuss RGB. Uh, and uh, we are really looking into making more people aware of what's going on because RGB is a thing that uh, doesn't produce any new tokens, has nothing to do with uh, any uh, companies, and it's a pure non-profit, pure uh, cypherpunk uh, project. 
and of course it would be nice to make uh, bring the bitcoin community attention to it so thank you for helping doing that uh regarding myself uh answering your question uh i, I had quite a long road towards uh, rgb not bitcoin but towards rgb uh the day i when i first uh, got to know about bitcoin was the days when i were doing um banking software for fintech projects like internet banking mobile banking integrating large banks back in ukraine and uh, it was 2014 when uh, several people i knew from banking community they bring, came with this bitcoin thing which i didn't knew before and uh, i was very excited and in those, back in those days we have set up uh, bitcoin foundation ukraine uh, which started promoting bitcoin not just inside the banking industry but also for acceptance uh, public acceptance and government acceptance so we were working with the national bank we were working with the government of ukraine uh, bringing their attention educating and uh, that was the activity of this bitcoin foundation ukraine was one of the uh, reasons why ukraine were among the countries which first uh, started using crypto in business uh, it had uh, a lot of crypto related projects and even some banks uh, were playing and frequently national uh, bank were closing eyes on uh, different things which helped to proliferate the crypto exchanges and overall uh, acceptance of the cryptocurrencies and bitcoin those days of course we, we made a mistake that were many were making this were making those days which is uh, saying that uh, trying to promote bitcoin by saying well you may not be comfortable with bitcoin as money but here is the blockchain thing which is the real uh, value <laughs> of the technology and because well we were sincere uh, at least i didn't understood those days that uh, there is something wrong with blockchain and it is bitcoin which is the value and not blockchain as a technology which uh, can be theoretically extracted out of bitcoin and still have some value so that was a misconception so I, I i have to admit that i am one of the person who put my hand into into this narrative because we're working again with the national bank and governments government it was it was it had an impact uh, and uh, i understood that it's uh, not that not true not exactly that way uh, it was much much later but before that uh, an ethereum has appeared as you probably remember and uh, that's where I was very excited seeing that Ethereum can be a base layer for much more advanced stuff than Bitcoin can do. And uh, we started doing a project of uh, decentralized machine learning protocol based on Ethereum. Uh, it was, uh, the project is still running today, but it's, it has completely changed its shape. I will be saying a few words about that later. It's called Pandora. The original name was Pandora Box Chain, like Pandora Box put into a chain of events. And uh, we used Ethereum as a base layer, base layer for the technology. So the protocol allowed a trustless, decentralized, uh, high-load computing, including machine learning. Uh, but it was run and made with Ethereum and EVM. And uh, the thing that we faced in 2017 and 18 
is the fact that it is impossible to scale this project. So you can run the computing, but you can't serve more than two or three clients with that solution because Ethereum blockchain would stop. And it was the same time where uh, when uh, I met uh, Giacomo Zucco, I met him back in 2017. And Giacomo Zucco was uh, those days, and he remains a promoter of the idea that uh, blockchain is bad. Uh, it is Bitcoin, which is the value, and blockchain is the thing that uh, makes, uh, like, it's a necessary for Bitcoin to exist, but it is a necessary uh, bad thing. Meaning that uh, if there would be a way of doing Bitcoin without blockchain, it would be much, much, much better. But unfortunately, we don't know such a way. So we still have to use blockchain, which is unscalable, not very much uh, confidential. Uh, it has a lot of drawbacks, but still we have to use it. But of course, there is no reason of taking blockchain out of Bitcoin because like you're taking the worst part of Bitcoin, which has no value outside of Bitcoin itself. And it's a nonsense. So I'm, I started understanding such concepts those days, and I also was witnessing myself the scalability problems of Ethereum. So I started looking into how to bring protocols like the, the machine learning protocol we were doing to Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, of course, wasn't scalable by itself at the blockchain layer, but there was a Lightning Network. So is there any way of leveraging Lightning Network capabilities to do what uh, was promised to be possible with Ethereum, but in reality wasn't possible because of scalability problems. So can we do the same in a scalable way with Bitcoin and Lightning Network? And uh, that was in 2019. And that was the point of time where Giacomo was, uh, had this idea based on the earlier Peter taught uh, ideas about RGB. And the RGB those days was an early prototype uh, around the concept of let's do colored coins over lighting in more scalable and in more efficient way than just with op returns. And uh, my understanding of that, like I was absolutely not interested in colored coins on, on, on lighting or whatever, or, or other coins those days. Uh, so, uh, I, but I saw the potential, uh, potential of RGB as a technology which can be used to bring Turing-complete computing and trustless computing and complex smart contracts to Bitcoin and Lightning, uh, the, the thing that I was looking for. And uh, that's why I decided to start working on completing RGB and turning RGB into a system that can run uh, Turing-complete smart contracts in a scalable way, in a private way. And can which can be used for other projects the way like other projects use uh, Ethereum today to build different uh, decentralized applications and uh, decentralized finance things, but with Bitcoin and Lightning without any additional tokens if they are not required with Bitcoin as basically a money with a peer-to-peer -peer network, not using blockchain if it's possible not to use it. And so on and so forth. So in 2019, we formed uh, this, uh, we formed a body called uh, LNPBP Standards Association. The name came from the uh, from the uh, LNPBP meme, which was produced by Giacomo. And LNPBP meme is a world play with a TCP/IP concept. So you have these TCP/IP pro protocols which are making 
the foundation for the internet. And uh, if we will look for analogies as a Bitcoin and Lightning making the foundation for a new financial system or even a new computing platform, which is the case of RGB, uh, we can take Lightning Network Protocol as analogy of TCP, which is on top of IP or Bitcoin Protocol, BP. So we have this LNP, BP thing matching TCP IP uh, name. So that's how the name of this non-profit association has appeared. It was established in Switzerland. And since that, I'm leading the RGB development there. So that's maybe uh, <laughs> too much detailed. No, that's great. That's perfect. So let's start with the LNP-BP Standards Association. I want to first understand and give listeners perspective, why are standards important? What is this, what is this body meant to accomplish? The standards are important because if you do something in a non-standard way, nobody else will understand you. Uh, or especially... It's not that critical in the world of humans, but it's much more critical in the world of machines because humans are much more agile, at least these days. So we can adjust somehow. We can reconstruct uh, the an information which is missing. But again, we usually do that doing a lot of mistakes and errors. But unlike human, uh, machines need certain rules and algorithms to parse. And everything that exists in the software and hardware industry is based on standards. If you start uh, thinking from the processors, CPUs, you would have plenty of standards like uh, x86 architecture, then uh, IRM architecture. It's all standards which are defining the way the hardware working and there is a standarding body which manages these standards uh, these bodies there are multiple bodies it's like international standards organization and internet engineering task force uh, IAEE the, another standarding by standardizing body and so on and so forth uh, also in the world of internet everything is a standard TCP is a standard IP is a standard that's where we have RFCs managed by internet engineering task force uh, HTTP is a standard, HTML is a standard, JavaScript, which is ExmaScript, is a standard, and these standards are managed by Web3 Consortium, uh, by uh, ECMA, which is another standardizing body. So uh, if you build a protocol, which should be a networking protocol or a distributed computing protocol or smart contracting protocol, you have no other way than uh, defining a standard way of implementing this protocol. The standards help to others to formally analyze and audit the qualities of the protocol to do independent implementation. So standards are critical for decentralization because if you did something and you don't explain how you can do the same thing in reproducible way, uh, there would be no decentralization. You will end up having just a single client. And um, thus, if you are looking for decentralization, you have to explain how to reproduce your protocol and the explanation how to reproduce your protocol is actual as actually a standard it's a definition of what standard is uh, so uh, also because uh, working on rgb there were multiple teams involved from different companies sharing the same interest of building a system of 
of uh, smart, smart contracts on Lightning, you have to coordinate activities, and the best way how to coordinate activities is through the standardization. That's again why how World uh, Wide Three uh, Consortium was created, W Three C. It is a body which was uh, jointly created by uh, Microsoft, Apple, uh, um, Mozilla, and other bodies who were coordinating through it in the software and browsers they were developing. So we had uh, that feeling, me and Giacomo, because we are coming both from the academic uh, sphere, we understood clearly that for the success of creating a new smart contracting layer, there should there is a need for a body which will be able to help that operation and standardization of the protocols. One of the things which Satoshi probably did wrong was the fact that he never defined Bitcoin protocol as a standard. He wrote just a software and uh, it led to a multiple hard forks, unintended hard forks. And when people, it is still impossible to create another Bitcoin implementation and prove that this implementation will follow the same consensus as Bitcoin Core. Why? Because there is no standard defining what Bitcoin is. And actually Bitcoin is whatever run on Bitcoin Core. <laughs> so uh, that was a mistake. We saw it as a mistake. So we tried to not repeat the same mistake again. Mm, I see. This is really interesting. I, I want to hear now your the reverse argument. I, he I hear the argument that if you know if Bitcoin was created as a standard, there may have been some advantages coming from that. Um, what are the disadvantages? What What are the reasons why Bitcoin should not have been created as a standard? I want you to play devil's advocate here and kind of like tackle the other side of that issue. The the main disadvantage of having a standard is that usually there is a body who governs the standard, meaning that this body is itself a point of centralization, and it may introduce uh, some changes to the standard in the future. So uh, I wouldn't see this. I don't see this as a strong counter argument because there is counter arguments to these counter arguments. Like when you define a standard, a standard is an immutable thing always. So you say that it's a ISO one zero zero nine two dot two thousand one. It means that it would be never never modified. The only thing that standardizing body can do is to do another standard, which amends or updates the previous standard, but again, it will be a free choice of everybody to use that new standard or not to use that new standard. So it doesn't uh, bring the previous standard out from existence. So while there is a certain uh, centralization in the process of standardization through the standardizing body, it's still not something that is enforced upon everyone. It's, it's an absolutely voluntary decision. So it's the same like Bitcoin Core. It's not enforced uh, to anyone. Uh, people can fork it and use it in a different way. So I don't think that uh, this argument is, is strong about this uh, centralization. Uh, so I see the standardizing body not as a point of centralization, but as a point of coordination, which instantly loses its power the moment it tries to enforce something. And now on, I want to talk about, so on Bitcoin, we started out with no standards. What about on Lightning? What was different between those two? 
the lightning started with the standards and this stand, set of standards called Bolt uh, standards, like lightning Bolt, but Bolt is also an abbreviation of, uh, I don't actually remember, of something. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but but it's like capital letters bold, and there is not right. uh, tw twelve standards, potentially thirty standards, actually eleventh standards with uh, another standards coming, and uh, so it's it's better than Bitcoin in this way. But however, even Bitcoin was um, catching up with the absence of standards, inventing the process called BIP, uh, Bitcoin Improvement Proposals. And BIPs actually did became uh, Bitcoin standards. The point is that uh, BIPs, uh, they are not covering Bitcoin itself, <laughs> Bitcoin consensus. Uh, so they are covering changes to Bitcoin consensus, but there is no BIP which defines how Bitcoin originally worked. So all amendments like SegWit and Taproot, they are BIP standards, amending the status quo which is not defined so we are taking bitcoin which is undefined and we amend it in this well-defined way which is kind of better um, anyway than doing some amendments randomly without any description of these amendments or discussion of these amendments but still it's kind of it's kind of post hoc uh, thing the lightning started with the standards However, I, I, I being actually the, the person who are criticizing a lot uh, the way the lighting standards work and was were created, and it's all, all not only my critic; it's also a result of many discussions I had with uh, people who are working on lighting. Many ideas came from the critics I heard from Christian Decker, from Giacomo again, and from Peter Todd. The problem with the bolts as standards is the fact that they are kind of randomly like splitting protocol the lightning thing is not something one it's not a one thing the lightning is a family of different interacting protocols and layers and people even struggling to define the layers because maybe you heard about the very well written book called lightning network mastering lightning network by rene picard and uh, andreas antonopoulos and others and this uh, i i'm also quite uh, good friend of Rene Picard, and we also had discussions about how to layer all these protocols around, and they came up with a certain layering, and if you see there is five or even more layers inside the lighting network itself, we will come back to the layer discussion probably later, but anyway, and the standards, if you put these layers, and even in the book you see the diagram, the bolts as a standards, they are randomly patches, random patches, on top of this layering. So they don't reflect the real structure of the Lightning Network, and they don't uh, actually help to modularize uh, different parts of the Lightning Network in a way that would make them easily amendable and uh, easily uh, to easily innovate with them. So that is one of the reasons, at least I think that, uh, why Lightning Network takes so long to adopt all the new things like we've been ages uh, we've been for ages talking about uh, channel splits about channel factories and they are kind of happening but still they haven't happened over the last three or four years uh, things like uh, lightning offers vault 12 or messaging in lightning network like the one used by a sphinx chat uh, they are being discussed uh, to be merged as a standard for 
already more than two years. This all takes longer than the taproot itself in Bitcoin. So the Lightning network, which is not a consensus layer network, so it can evolve, it doesn't require to be ossified. Uh, the Lightning Network, which was created with an idea of being reckless, quickly innovate, iterate, experiment, even not being afraid of failing, it ended up being more ossified than Bitcoin Layer 1. <laughs> that is the funny part. And one of the reasons for that is the way how the standards are structured and how the governance over the strong standards are made. So the point, coming back to the original question, why we created this uh, association, which were helping developing the protocol it's not just an association it's not like lmpbp association but lmpbp standards association is because we were looking for solving this uh, not to repeat the problem we had in bitcoin and we had in, and we have in lightning network but to do that properly the way it does it is done by iso and other standard bodies to avoid uh, to avoid problems like we discussed what do you think, what steps would you be taking to improve the way that lightning standards operate? Like you mentioned that there's, you know, it's, it's slower than expected and there's things that you wish were integrated already and that have not been. If you were to gather everyone working on lightning in a room, what, what initiatives would you put forth to accelerate the adoption of, of these certain like lightning standards and lightning innovations? Uh, well, I, I don't think that is possible because we are too far uh, in there. Uh, it's not just human factoring the reality that we have gold standards, which are implemented by multiple parties, which are being taught to developers with which developers are working. So like, you, you can't put uh, the, uh, the teeth pass, pay paste back into the tube. So it's already there. So I don't think that there is anything can be done. So that's why we tried to do that from the very beginning when we started working on a new protocol and on a new layer to help not to get into the same situation when it is too late to, to change something. Uh, the other thing is that uh, we also, it's not just about RGB. So we, many parts which are not standardized in terms of Bitcoin itself, when it's whenever it doesn't require any software or hard fork, or Lightning Network, we are also happy to standardize as uh, LNPPP standard uh, to help uh, to address uh, the future compatibility issues and to boost the development of the Lightning Network. So we are ourselves working on the uh, Lightning Network implementation called LNP and LNP node. Uh, which is experimental, of course, but it's our attempt how to you can make at least a software and architecture of the node open for new protocols and new experiments and faster innovations. All these innovations and new protocols, like integration of RGB into the Lightning Network or uh, an alternative uh, way of how you can use Taproot or create a multiple channels, we're also standardizing there proposing as standards there. So we're kind of trying to launch the parallel uh, parallel uh, process of faster innovation with the Lightning Network for those who are not satisfied with the speed how the Lightning Network evolves through the Bolt standards. So your Lightning implementation, LNP node, this is supposed to be 
iterating faster than than the existing implementations can today? Is it like I, I'm trying to understand how? No, 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 not iterating well uh, faster, but allowing uh, simpler experiments, trying new things simpler in a simpler way, in a faster way. So if there is something that somebody needs to test, like discrete log contracts on Lightning, or another structure of channel uh, on Lightning, uh, you can take LNP uh, node and uh, LNP library, and you can, in a very simple way, add new functionality without rewriting other parts. Because the consequence of the way how the bold standards work was the architecture which all modern Lightning Node has. Uh, it's that if you need to change something, you end up with a rewriting a lot of different parts of the node itself. And that's what make the progress and innovation so slow. Because it's not just a standard, bold standard you need to update. It is like when we were trying to integrate RGB back in the days where we were using pay-to-contract commitments, which is not the case of today, but when we were doing that, it, we, we came out to conclusion that we have to write like up to the third of the whole code base of each of the existing Lightning nodes in order to get one thing working. Because the architecture does is not modular enough and is not abstracted enough to allow changes. Basically, both Vault standards and Lightning nodes are one case software built for uh, dually, dual payment channels with a very specific and strict set of protocols. That's why Taproot or PTLC or other things coming to the to Lightning takes so long because they have to rewrite a lot of the code base to do that. So the LNP node was created deliberately with allowing a composability, like with a category theory and all that stuff, that when you need to add one feature, you don't need to touch or rewrite existing features. Mm. So you can compose these features all together. And as a side effect, you can have a channel factory, which can construct channels of different constructions. You can compose one channels with another. So everything is modular, everything is interoperable, and everything is composable. So it's the LNP node is a small implementation, meaning that, we, of course, we don't have a capacity to pretend to be a full lightning node, uh, mainstream lightning node, having all the modern features uh, in terms of uh, funds management and everything. But what we can do is actually a node for developers and uh, those who'd like to play with the new things in lightning, where can, they can fastly and easily, quickly and easily add new features without being having a need to rewrite a lot of code base or doing a fork of Sea Lightning, Oil, and D, and then maintaining that form. I see. That makes a lot of sense. Let's get into RGB. I want to shift gears a little bit here. And maybe to start off, you can just give people a high-level explainer. I think RGB, the, the term people are familiar with, but I don't know that... I think there's going to be some listeners who are not familiar with the intricacies of how it all works. So can you just give a high-level explainer of what RGB is? RGB is a smart contract, Turing complete smart contracts for Bitcoin and most importantly Lightning Network. So you may think about uh, RGB as a thing that allows to do everything that was promised to be possible with Ethereum or other smart contract solutions post, post Bitcoin, uh, but wasn't possible because of scalability issues, centralization issues, like you can do 
advanced smart contracts, but there is just one of several nodes around the world who are able to run the nodes to, to do the stuff like Solana. So it's, it's like, it's still false for fulfillment of the promise. The idea is that with RGB, you, you are finally able to have Turing complete smart contracts and do what was promised by other systems, but with a Bitcoin and Lightning network not requiring invention of a new blockchain, introduction of new consensus protocol, introduction of new layer one coins uh, like uh, Ether and many of others. With a Bitcoin, with a Bitcoin proof of work, with a Bitcoin blockchain, with a lightning network on top, Turing complete smart contracts, not requiring any Ether for gas fees, wrapping Bitcoin into Ethereum, or doing all that uh, crazy and unnecessary stuff. So the RGB allows uh, Bitcoin finance applications and decentralized applications, dApps, on top of Bitcoin and Lightning Network without ever touching everything related to Bitcoin, to Ethereum or other non-Bitcoin blockchains. And we call this Bitcoin finance, like it's a DeFi, but made with Bitcoin and Lightning. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just a quick message from our sponsor, Voltage. Voltage empowers engineers to integrate Bitcoin and Lightning Network payments into their business stack with an enterprise-grade experience. The team at Voltage is building the complete toolset so that you can do more than simply spin up nodes, but also understand and interpret your nodes' data. Their new product, Surge, gives engineers the capability to quickly solve problems and optimize operations. With node insights and visibility through time series data, you get dynamic and complex insights never available before. You can get complete control with insanely fast onboarding, advanced client-side encryption, and zero management infrastructure, making backups, networking, and upgrades simple. Get a free seven-day trial today at Voltage.cloud. So now I have a couple questions. First is, you know, why is it that this iteration RGB can succeed where other Turing complete smart contract platforms in your view have failed or have not been able to scale. Uh, what makes it that RGB is going to be different from something like Ethereum? And then as a second kind of follow-up question, you know, I think there's a, there's a segment of the Bitcoin uh, population that says, we don't even need smart contracts. We don't need the Turing complete smart contracts. So the, there's a follow-up there of, you know, is this even necessary? Let me start with the first part. Well, the first thing that RGB is different from Ethereum is that it is built on Bitcoin and not on a new blockchain. So we don't create a new token. We don't do an ICO to launch a smart contracting system. We're not creating a new proof of stake consensus. So we are already in much better position. Our money is Bitcoin and nothing else. So this is the first real advantage. The second real advantage is that we are reusing Lightning Network, meaning that we are we have the scalability, not just because of RGB, there is some things which allows RGB to be more scalable, but because we inherit scalability from the Lightning Network. So that's what mm. Ethereum doesn't have. We are not solving the scalability problem per se. We already have a solution of scalability problem, which is Lightning Network. So that is the second thing that allows us to do something that wasn't possible with Ethereum or other blockchains. The third thing how RGB is different is the fact that we are using a thing called client-side validation. 
And this is very, very important and strong concept. And it actually answers partially the second question. So let me probably elaborate on it for, for some time. The client-side validation is, I believe it is a killer, it's a blockchain killer. So that's why sometimes we are saying that uh, RGB is a post-blockchain smart contracts. Uh, yes, they are using layer one Bitcoin blockchain as of today, but theoretically in the future they may evolve into a thing that doesn't require blockchain as it is understood today. So the client-side validation says very simple thing. Uh, the first one is that everything that is important regarding the contracts, regarding the, let's, first of all, let's put a smart contracts aside and start talking about just a contracts. I think nobody would um, be against the fact that people do need contracts. I would like to make a contract with you. I would like to employ somebody. I would like to pay somebody. I, I'm a company. I'm doing a company. I'm uh, attracting investments. I do need a contract. Even sure. if the, yeah. we live in hyper-Bitcoinized world, there would be a contract. I agree. And, yeah. and if we have a contract, we need probably a digital contract, right? Uh, yeah. And if we have a digital contract, what we probably do is like we write the contract and then we sign it digitally, with a digital signature. We don't need blockchain for that, right? Right. That's a client-side validation. That's what RGB is doing. It's just a system of how you can manage that type of contracts and operations with these contracts. And now, that's where the scalability and confidentiality and privacy is coming from. Because if I'm doing a contract with you, digital contract, we are not talking about smart contract, digital contract. We do say sign a document uh, together. Uh, I do sign a document, let's say, and I'm sending it to you. I'm not using blockchain for that, right? I'm just sending it email, we are email, we are messenger, a piece of paper, a QR code. Like I can use any means. I'm abstracted from the means of information transfer. The same RGB. RGB can send the client-side validated data. The first thing that it can't use for that is blockchain. And it's not using blockchain for storing any data at all. That is a huge scalability win. You don't need to put something into blockchain. And uh, you send, uh, RGB can send it via Lightning Network, via Nostr, via Telegram, via email, I don't know, we are more the codes through the radio waves and any 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 means that you can invent. And when you receive this contract signed by me, you decode it, of course. And what you are doing, are you going to Infura uh, infrastructure in Asia to ask it, is it valid? Ethereum Infura infrastructure to Asia. Or are you contacting Bitcoin Core to check its validity? No, you are not doing that. What you do is that you just verify the signature on the contract. Mm. So there is two peers involved in the contract and there is nobody in the world who knows or need to witness the interaction between these two peers. And this is a huge scalability gain because there is no informational centralization, uh, centralized point of failure. The blockchain is a decentralized system, but it is informationally centralized, meaning that all the information 
exist in the, within one distributed database. Yes, it is distributed database blockchain, but still each node has the whole information in the whole world copied to their local hard drive. Meaning that you can't have a large blocks, otherwise people wouldn't be able to run nodes. But with RGB and client-side validation, you are not copying the information of the whole world. You are not verifying the information of the whole world contract operations. You just do your part, which you are interested in, and you incentivize to do this verification because it's contracts you are participating. There is no additional incentivization in form of tokens or Ethereum or gas that is required. You participate in contracts. You certainly participate in because you 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 are, you you assume that it has a value for you, and because it has a value for you, you do the verification of these contracts on your local device, not verifying the rest of the what the rest of the world does. That's why RGB mm. is scalable, and that's why RGB with the client side validation is extremely different from things which are done with Ethereum. You may think about the RGB contract as a shard. It's it's a kind of sharded protocol from day one. The, the thing that Ethereum was thinking about for ages. Uh, but uh, these shards are nat natural. It's like a shard with a contract paper, pieces of paper you have at your house. They are all sharded by, by design. And the next thing that ultimately uh, client-side validation gives to us is the extreme confidentiality privacy. Why? Because you are not uploading your contracts and your data and your state and anything into any public network. You are not publishing that into blockchain, which has to be validated by all the nodes. It's only me and you in the whole world who knows about the existence of this contract. And this concept exists for ages. It's called uh, bearer rights or bearer contracts, meaning that you own the stuff that you have. And uh, the, the, the initial uh, stock exchange in Netherlands and Britain was a bearer rights stock exchange. And even now, in some jurisdictions like British Virgin Islands, a share certificate is a bearer share certificate, meaning that there is no registry where it's registered. You have just a piece of paper in your safe at your house, and that is your contract. So that is a client-side validation. Client-side validation is a bearer right system. So, mm. uh, and it's very private. As you know, like BVI shareholding, nobody can see that unless people will voluntarily disclose that. Uh, the same with RGB. So you get scalability, you get privacy just for nothing because you are not storing something in blockchain because you don't need blockchain. That is the client-side validation. And the only part of the story where Bitcoin blockchain does appear is the part of the story when you change something, you operate with a contract, you building a history of these operations, for instance, you may amend the contract or you may have some assets which you need to transfer under the terms of the contract. Or I, I did a work and you confirm that I indeed did the work. So I'm using that to ask you for a payment and you do the payment for me. So these are operations under the contract and this history need to be provably unique, meaning that there is no alternative history exists. For instance, uh, Let's say that there is a couple and they wait for a child and uh, they're going to the doctor and asking what would be the gender or what would be the sex of our child? Would it be a girl or a boy? 
or let's say in politically correct way, what would be the chromosome set? It would be XX or XY or some other mutation. And uh, the doctor does the diagnosis and says, oh, it's, it would be a boy, it would be XY uh, chromosomes. Uh, but in his journal, doctor writes two records. One says that it would be a boy and the other that would be a girl. And then the couple comes back and say, well, wait, you said that it would be a boy, but it's actually a girl. He says, no, 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 you, you remember in the wrong way. Here is the record. And he takes the second record. So this is an analogy of double spending. Like in Bitcoin, you may have double spending. Here you have you may have a double commitment. Like you can commit mm. to two different things. And that's uh, what can't be solved with uh, things like open timestamps or blockchain commitments. It can't be solved because you can create two alternative histories, two alternative commitments, and then nobody in the world would be able to prove that there is no alternative that exists. So if a doctor put those commitments to his prognosis of would it be a boy or girl to open timestamps, he can still create two different timestamps proving that it's girl, he said that it was a girl, and proving that he said that it was a boy. And that's where RGB solved that differently from the, uh, from the open timestamps. And it does this solution with a primitive called uh, single-use seals. Single-use seals is like a, uh, open timestamps in power two. And actually, both of the things were created by Peter Todd. So he invented initially the, the timestamping with the blockchain. And then he understood this limitation of the timestamp. So he created a second cryptographic primitive, which he called single-use seals. And what single-use seals you allow to you is to prove the uniqueness of certain commitment. So when you said that it's a boy, you can't anymore commit that it's a girl. And that's where Bitcoin blockchain is required. So you leverage Bitcoin blockchain, but you don't put the actual data and the actual promise of a boy or a girl into a blockchain. You do a very different thing. If, if I don't know, would, should I go into details trying to explain that not a technical layer, but level, but a like some common layer level, how it actually works. How do you think, should I? Sure. Yeah, yeah so, I think that's useful. Uh, getting back to our example with the doctor. Uh, when a couple came to the doctor, uh, the doctor runs a log, a record, a journal, and he uses Bitcoin blockchain to run this journal. And the doctor says that uh, initially, I do control this Bitcoin transaction output. Uh, you know that uh, like people probably think about Bitcoin as an addresses and Bitcoins on the addresses. Bitcoins do not exist on the addresses in the blockchain. Bitcoin exists in transaction outputs is, and the address is actually a descriptor of a set of transaction outputs. So the, the atomic unit is the uh, transaction output. In some wallets, it's called uh, UTXO, unspent transaction output, or coins. Like in an Electrum wallet, if you go, you will have a tab called coins. And there you would have multiple entries for the same address, for the same descriptor of the output. So we are talking about Bitcoin transaction outputs. And Bitcoin transaction outputs are owned by people who has the private keys to that addresses, meaning that they are able to spend this output. And when the doctor receives the license, he says that, he proves that I do own this transaction output. 
here is the signature with my private key that I do own this output. One, only one. And then each time the doctor make a prognosis, he spends that output with a certain transaction. And inside that transaction, he puts a commitment uh, to the prognosis that he made. And because Bitcoin transaction output can be spent only once, there might be only single commitment that exists. So it's basically open timestamps created in a very specific predefined place. That's what single use yields is. And with that, mm. you create a provable, provably unique history. And that by itself is a smart contract to, to a certain degree, even without any Turing completeness. And that's how RGB works. So you have a client-side data and you create commitments to the state of the contract which you put into Bitcoin transaction. But you put it into Bitcoin transaction not by using blockchain space, but instead you're do doing quite advanced thing, uh, much more advanced than ordinals or BRC are doing, where they are putting die data right into Bitcoin blockchain, bloating it and uh, creating a huge privacy leaks and problems for everybody, but no, here you are not doing that. You're just encoding that in some taproot tree and then it gets into, just modifies the address. But the end of the day, you don't have additional storage usage on blockchain. More than that, anybody looking into the transaction wouldn't even see that is anyhow Bitcoin or RGB related because there is nothing in this transaction that makes no information is stored. You are by, by When I say that you commit to the state of the contract, it means that you hash the data of the contract, and the hash is the function that goes one way. You can't go other way around. You can't detect what are the data actually, what is the state of the smart contract actually is, and nobody has this smart contract than you. So that's how RGB is working. And because RGB works with Bitcoin transactions, not blockchain per se, but with the Bitcoin transactions, it automatically works with the Lightning Network and on top of Lightning Network because Bitcoin transactions exist in Lightning Network as well. So the final source of truth is still goes down to blockchain because Lightning is secure only because it can publish the transactions on chain and get them mined. But the, the same construction actually allows uh, RGB to be on top of the Lightning Network and scale with the Lightning Network, having all the data client-side. So I hope that was was understandable explanation. That was very helpful. I now have a question about the you know, types of contracts and smart contracts that you expect people to be using on RGB. What does that look like? Is it going to be any different from what we've seen on Ethereum or any of the other kind of like applications you mentioned, ordinals and BRC20s bloating Bitcoins chain? Are there, what, what applications do you envision being used oh, on Oh, I'm RGB? quite sure people will do all the forms of scams so that they just can't invent and imagine, of course. But this is the first thing they, they do. Why they do this? Because they are prohibited from doing that in the real world. That's why... The, the scam has become the main use uh, the main use case for blockchain projects because uh, people can't gamble uh, because of the regulations people can't invest because of regulations in many places so the first thing they are doing is usually something scammy the same will happen with rgb there is no doubt even without rgb we have this craziness of ordinals and inscriptions whatever their name is which is 99999% scam so uh, 
it's not the guilt of RGB. It's not the, uh, that RGB is the, would be the reason of this comes. Comes like it's not the knife which kills people, it's a hand and a human which does that. The same RGBs, it's a tool, and unfortunately, it will be used for bad things as well as good things, hopefully. Uh, but uh, using this opportunity to answer the second question, why to explain people why we need smart contracts in Bitcoin at all, I would say that as I, as I demonstrated, there is no pos no chance that there would be a world where the contracts wouldn't be used. And the way RGB works, it makes these contracts digital and at least provable. In many cases, it requires certain form of arbitrage, like you define a third-party arbiter, uh, because when the contract is broken, there is no way how you can enforce it. So you need some other means, and there might be a centralization. But even with this centralization, having a digital form of smart contracts which is scalable and confidential based on their rights instruments, that is a huge win for the future. So it is basically a legal, legal system and creates a foundation to build a legal system in a, in a way that doesn't have a centralization in terms of the registries, in terms of the regulators, the same way like Bitcoin avoids you to, lets you to avoid centralization in terms of central banks. But even more than that, I do believe that financial contracts are important because if you're thinking about real economy and real use cases where, for instance, I'm a merchant uh, selling my goods uh, for... Uh, Bitcoins, or even not Bitcoins, whatever, I'm selling my goods. And even if Bitcoin would not be volatile, still the price of the uh, of the source materials I'm using in producing my goods may be volatile. Maybe there is a fire or COVID or something happens. And for instance, I'm doing, a, 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 I'm a tailor, I'm doing a shirt and the textile got double in price next month. So I have to insure against that risk. And the way I do insurance is I'm doing a future contract. And the future contract is a financial contract. And especially in the world where we exist with a bit hyper-Bitcoinization, I need to be able to do a future contract with all against Bitcoin. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to operate as a merchant. So for all those Bitcoiners who think that they are smart uh, and they think that Changing money would change anything and they don't need a finance. Uh, I wish them to live in the world where there would be just money and finance. Well, that's a caveman world. Many of them are happy with the caveman world, but sorry, it's not for me and probably many other people wouldn't agree to go back into caves. And not to go into caves, you need a real economy. And real economy requires finance. And finance is futures, options, stocks, exchanges, and other other things. If you are doing a project, you would probably issue a share certificates, and you would be like you would like to attract investors. Of course, none of the smart contracts, neither on Ethereum nor on Bitcoin, would be able to solve the problem of the centralization of trust with the issuer of the shares. So, if you buy shares of Apple, you trust Apple that it will behave well. But it's not the problem that we need to solve at all the fact of the centralization of the issuer of certain forms of financial contracts. What we need to solve is to have, is to restore bearer right financial contracts and censorship resistant secondary markets. 
But if I buy Apple shares, there should be no party that may prevent me from selling it, including Apple itself. That is what censorship-resistant secondary market is. And without smart contracts, a system like RGB, this is not achievable. So that's, hmm. that's the explanation why we need smart contracts on Bitcoin. Makes sense. Now, I want to I spend some time talking about the current state of RGB. Where is it at today? What are the requirements from a technical standpoint to get this to production? Is anything required on Bitcoin? Does anything need to change on Bitcoin? Anything need to change on Lightning in order for RGB to become production grade kind of technology? Mm -hmm. So RGB being in the development since 2017, probably. Like I, I don't exactly remember the the day when it starts. I've been involved with that since 2019, so it's mostly four years, and it went through quite a lot of things. The reason why we were preventing any usage of RGB is because we were not happy with the protocol and we didn't want it to be used before it has all the properties that we need. So uh, this year, at the beginning of this year, like two months ago, we completed the release of version which we called 0.10, which is expected to become the version 1. And uh, this version finally ships everything that we believe RGB must have. It's a lot of functionality, including a dedicated virtual machine, Turing complete smart contracts, ability to, it is based on Taproot, uh, it is able to work with the Lightning Network, not requiring any modification to the uh, core Lightning uh, properties and protocols. Uh, it requires some amendments, which are very tiny and uh, simple to implement, because with this version, because we already have two implementations of RGB for Lightning Network. The one was the second implementation was created by just recently in March and April by Bitfenix team working on RGB, and they made this RGB implementation with LDK, existing Lightning Development Kit by Spiral. And the first implementation was the implementation based on LNP node, which I was talking before. And we also found that it's possible today to implement RGB as a plugin for C Lightning, and there would be certainly work that would happen with that. So we would have two mainstream and another experimental implementation of RGB on Lightning Network. And uh, are people able to use it today? No, they are not, because to the, the protocol is quite a low-level thing. And to use it, the people who would be issuing or transacting, they would need a software working with the protocol. Wallets, exchanges, and other tools. And that is the stage we are at. Uh, at least five or four, six even teams independently working on creating software, including uh, Bitfenix, including my own company, including American companies like Diba, who are doing the a web browser-based extension for uh, managing Bitcoins, RGB assets, and NFTs on Bitcoin, uh, including uh, Japanese projects, game developers. So we are in the phase where we do create wallets, which will work with RGB. We do uh, work with exchanges, which will be using RGB. We do work with the, we work with the first issuers, who 
who will be issuing assets, important assets on RGB. And uh, this is uh, the bootstrap phase. So the protocol is ready. We are building the ecosystem of of software which is required for people to start use RGP. So I think in the second half of the year, we will start seeing first initial adoption and first uh, public projects and uh, assets and smart contracts appearing on RGB. The wallets which support RGB are MyCitadel, which is developed by my company, which was the first one. Later, we got... uh, Blocks with Phoenix team, and they made Iris Wallet. And I already mentioned Tiba with their BitMask wallet extension, which is kind of the same as MetaMask for Ethereum. BitMask is targeting the same niche for Bitcoin. Uh, and there are other, other projects which I don't even fully aware of all of them. So that's the stage we are at. Right. What are you looking for in the next kind of couple months from, you know, feedback from this V0.10 release to get to, to version one? What what are you kind of like hoping to to get from, you know, having put out that V.0.10? Well, we first of all need to get uh, software engineers to integrate it into wallets and exchanges and make sure that they have everything they need. Then we need first assets being issued and not stolen by, by others. So we need a certain proof that the system does the job as expected. Uh, we also there would be also an audit which will be examining the existing standards and code base. And uh, one of the things we achieved is where we are able to clearly separate the consensus level of RGB from all application level and make uh, consensus level as portable, as small as possible, such that it would be easier, and as well as documented as possible, it would be easier to audit it. And then if everything of this would be seamless and happy, there would be a happy end, that's where the version first would appear. Mm. Okay. Um, I, I have another question about the kind of structure and architecture of RGB, where it fits in the broader kind of like Bitcoin and Lightning ecosystem. I had a discussion uh, a couple of weeks ago with Lisa Nygut, and we were talking about layers in Bitcoin. And, you know, I, I had kind of mentioned, I, I lose the analogy of layers after we get past layer one and layer two. It starts to not make sense for me. And I think she kind of agreed with that. What is your view on what RGB represents? Is this like layering number system relevant? Is RGB a layer three? Where does it all fit in? Well, I I think the question of layering is more a question of memes than the question of actual technology and engineering, because the technology is much more complex. I already said that Lightning itself is built of multiple layers. Right. And uh, if you try to put RGB into this, Bitcoin itself actually has uh, several layers, to be frank. Like, it's, it's a meme saying that there is a layer one. Well, Bitcoin is composed of the consensus protocol layer, which is proof of work and which can work even without uh, the existing Bitcoin blockchain. You can merge mine into it, for instance. Uh, There is a layer of blocks, blockchain itself, which uses the layer of consensus protocol. 
and uh, it has its own consensus rules, additional to the proof-of-work consensus rules. There is layer of sidechains different, which is again, is it layer 1, layer 2, layer 1.5, layer 1 plus i, like should we go complex numbers, then with the lightning network and RGB we need to go quaternions and octanions, probably transfinite numbers. Uh, so like it's, it's just, it doesn't make, the layering doesn't make a lot of sense for me. And there is also a mempool which people start calling layer 1, 0, which is even more strange because uh, at least layer one has a consensus and layer two using the layer one consensus. Mempool doesn't have a consensus. It has some policies and there is no state inside the mempool, uh, which should be the same for all the nodes. Like I, 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 I think it's more the way people like to say it is the best way. Like if they would like to see mempool layer zero with blockchain layer one, lightning layer two, RGB layer three, let it be. So, like, mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't change anything in the reality. Re RGB works on top of Lightning, but on the other side, Lightning node has to be aware of RGB assets and contracts existing in the channel. So it's like sticking into the Lightning itself. So, like, it splits the Lightning into the two layers. I don't know. Is it on top of Lightning? In certain sense, yes. Is it underneath the Lightning? In certain sense, yes. And um, the, the, the only layering I can imagine, which can be a consistent, is that there is a layer of uh, Bitcoin uh, consensus, which is the layer one. Uh, and this layer one is Bitcoin transactions mined on chain. If this transaction exists outside of the chain, but it is still deterministically mineable, like in Lightning channels, it's a layer two. And there is something that exists outside of Bitcoin transaction, but is committed into Bitcoin transaction, like client-side validation and RGB, it can be considered a layer three. In these terms, yes, there, there is a Bitcoin blockchain layer one, Lightning network, which can be seen as layer two, and RGB as an example of layer three application. I see. So maybe is it is it useful to, instead of sticking with these numbers, is it maybe useful to say that RGB requires to some degree the Bitcoin blockchain and, and to some degree it is uh, it, it benefits from having the Lightning Network to kind of plug into? Is that kind of roughly correct? I would say slightly differently. RGB requires Bitcoin transactions to exist and the rules how these Bitcoin transactions are made final like Lightning Network on top of Bitcoin consensus or pure Bitcoin consensus. I see. So it doesn't okay. require blockchain per se. It requires Bitcoin transactions, let's say it this way. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just a quick message from our sponsor, Stackwork. Stackwork is a lightning-powered platform for generating high-quality transcripts of all your audio or video content. They combine AI engines and hundreds of human workers all over the world who are paid over the Lightning Network to assemble these transcripts. And that's what lets Stackwork create better, faster, and less expensive transcripts. To see the results for yourself, you can check out my personal website where I host transcripts for all my podcast episodes. If you want to learn more about Stackwork, visit stackwork.com. That is S-T-A-K work.com. Now, I, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Noster because I know you're working on stuff sure. there as well. Um, and 
you you wrote a recent uh, Twitter post. It was, it was I don't know what to call them now. Twitter posts are longer than 280 characters. It was almost a blog post. But uh, it was I wrote explaining... it in Monster as well originally. <laughs> I oh. just copied it to Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, so this post uh, it was explaining your views kind of on under-designed protocols and thoughtfully designed protocols and different strategies in protocol adoption and creation. Can you just can you give people a high level overview of your your views on the, the Nostra protocol as it pertains to this this blog post you wrote? Yeah, uh, yes. The, the reason I I started looking into this direction, well, there is several reasons. The first one is that I'm interested in decentralized protocols, and that's my professional area where I have to be aware and I'm looking into what's there, what else is there. And the second, uh, that the Nostra is getting quite quite a good uh, adoption and interest from the community, and it, and RGB needs. Uh, data propagation layer, uh, as I described, you need somehow to send this client-side validated data between the users. And while we are working on a dedicated protocols for that, based on Lightning Network, I understand that if Nostr has a huge adoption and people are already using it, it would be nice to let people use their existing infrastructure like uh, relays, relay nodes, and to have multiple transports for RGB such that users can decide which one they use. And uh, that's how it, I ended up analyzing Nostra protocol. I think, like, I don't know, should, like, was you asking how we are planning to use Nostra and what we're planning to do with Nostra, or are you asking actually what our opinion about Nostra? Uh, let's start with your opinion on Nostra. My opinion on Nostr is, uh, it's hard to tell, put it shortly, uh, like, there is no resume. Um, it's good for one thing, it's not that good for other things. And uh, there are certain pitfalls I see, like, I don't want to blame anybody because it's absolutely un, un, unimaginably hard to design decentralized protocols. And it's even harder, probably impossible, to design them without flaws. And I'm quite sure there would be flaws in RGB, and people would be saying, ten, five years from now would be saying, oh, Maxim wasn't that smart. He actually made all these mistakes and these mistakes, and we spent years solving them. Like the same is said about Satoshi, like why he did that or that or that. Well, it's hard to design things like that. So. I'm not criticizing Nostr in any any way, uh, in, uh, but the reality for me is that uh, the pitfalls that exist in the Nostr protocol allow things like uh, DOS attacks. We haven't seen them, but I see a number of factors which may affect the network quite severely. And I think that would start happening the more adoption will go. Uh, the more it would happen. There would be, of course, countermeasures, and there could be countermeasures, but these countermeasures would be taken on the level of individual relays, which would eventually lead to network decoherence, meaning that other different relays would have different policies, and it would be harder for the software to implement the same rules uh, independent of, from, of relays, and the absence of the same rules would lead that certain forms of contracts will randomly disappear. So when you will be looking through your feed, you will see that the, there is a post, but the image is missed. 
or the, 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 post, the repost, but the original post is not there anymore. So you would have this decoherence effect of that. So those attacks, then policies, uh, the policies are not standardized across the node, then the decoherence, and finally a scalability problem. Uh, and uh, this is, this is a severe, uh, well, for my opinion, a severe danger for the network growth phase. And I think all of these problems are addressable. And uh, and the final problem, the scalability problem, also includes the problem of the speed, because even today, uh, clients, especially mobile clients, they do two things. First, they struggle to parse a lot of JSON data because it's long to parse them ending with a slow user interface but even worse they don't verify signatures you know why because well, if they will verify signatures the curve that is used by nostr which is bitcoin curve the sec p 256k1 is extremely slow with signature verification and it burns battery so if the client would verify signatures of the messages your phone will die instantly so that's also huh. part of the scalability problem and this results in the fact that clients trust relays on the signatures which is kind of the same spv problem we had in bitcoin like i can post today i can run a relay i can promote it and i can spread the fake news through this relay saying that let's say uh, john uh, let, let's say some uh, presidential candidate like kennedy who joined uh, nostrum quite recently posted something but i would put a fake signature, which is not a valid signature, but because mobile clients do not verify that, well, I will be spreading fake news and it will work. So these are problems are quite uh, dramatic for me. So Nostra working today, Nostra getting popular today, and the next stage would be much more critical for Nostra future because he would face scalability, dose, decoherence, and fake news problems. And the signature mechanism, which were devoted to solve these problems and prevent these problems, is not working because anybody, everybody is starting using SPV trusting relays. And uh, that is addressable, and that's how that's what we are trying to address with this uh, initiative we call Renoster. Uh, yeah. a revision of the Nostra uh, foundations and basics, which would exist in parallel with the Nostra protocol, such that relays would be able to implement both of the protocols. Uh, the the Nostra is backwards compatible with the Nostra. So basically, any Nostra message you can present as a Nostra messaging, but and partially otherwise, partially otherwise. Uh, so I hope that clients and, well, it would take months if not years and we're gathering partners who are interested in supporting us in these activities but uh, we believe that combination of bitcoin nostr rgb and lightning is extremely powerful combination that's why we are spending time and effort on this initiative and uh, yeah that's that's probably an answer to to both of the questions yeah so I want to hear more about Renoster, exactly how it works and what makes it different from, from Noster as we know it today. Uh, there are several thing, features which make it really different. The first one is that it uses binary encoding instead of JSON. It makes it fast. It makes it deterministic. It prevents many DOS attack vectors as well as security attack vectors. Because it's really hard to parse John in a JSON in a secure way, not 
like there could be code injections attacks and others. It is really slow to parse JSON comparing to binary data, like up to 25 times slower, like 25 times, like it's two orders of magnitude. And uh, it is also, there, there is no rules how long the messages could be, which is a, a, a target for DOS attacks, and that the coherence which would may result from these attacks. So by solving with a binary encoding, we're solving the problem of DOS attacks because any every part of the message has a strict rules how long it could be and not longer than that. Meaning that uh, it's harder to DOS attack and even the DOS, if a DOS attack happens, there are already policy rules which are in place, which are coherent across the network. Uh, that is the so the binary encoding is the first important thing. The second important thing that uh, we would like to change the signatures from SecP to Edwards curve at two five five nineteen, which are many orders of magnitude faster, which can run on mobile without draining the battery, and which are the standard which is used in all uh, identity system, GPG PGP. It is used in SSH, it is used in TLS, SSL, everywhere. So if you have your own PGP key, you can use it for Nostra. I think it's, it's a reasonable uh, assumption to do. That is the, the second change. Uh, the third change is that we will be using end-to-end -end encryption. And uh, that would allow much higher level of security and confidentiality. And also make Nostr be able to run on top of the mixed networks, including uh, Tor network and Neem project, if you heard about that, because Tor have the scalability issues these days as well. And uh, finally, uh, is that we are making a dedicated binary, dedicated TCP-based protocol. So first, today clients operate with the WebSockets. And while WebSockets is really, really easy to use, they have several drawbacks because the number of clients per relay is really limited, very highly limited. And the amount of the relays is very huge. So we would like to upgrade the WebSocket version of protocol to, to, um, to a mutex, to a mix of uh, WebSockets and HTTP. So whenever you need to post something, you use HTTP. When you need to subscribe for something, you use WebSockets. And also provide a TCP, stateless TCP protocol that will allow servers to work. For instance, if you are on a mobile or a desktop client, you don't need WebSockets at all. You can use a normal TCP layer. So these are all changes which are part. So altogether, this is what Renoster is. And uh, we are not just doing the protocol, the, the client, the, the, the company, Pandora Prime, we, we do have a product I already mentioned, my Citadel wallet, which is Bitcoin wallet and RGB wallet and eventually Lightning wallet. And we plan to use uh, Nostra inside this wallet to help people to synchronize the state of the wallet descriptors and annotations across the devices or companies and organizations using Bitcoin to set up multi-sigs and do PSBTs and signature uh, processes through the Nostra relays. And, as I already told, uh, exchange of the RGB data, contracts, and uh, consignments, which are required for payments in RGB. Mm. Now, right now, Nostr is, I think, primarily used by people as a social media tool. It 
a lot of the clients are Twitter like, and um, but but we're seeing some that kind of differ. We've seen marketplaces, we've seen long form blog posts. There's a few other types of clients being developed for different types of notes. What do you see as the most popular Nostr use cases moving forward? My opinion probably wrong because I'm a technical person, a low level person. So I, I my use case probably is much different, much different from the use case of usual people and the mass market. But my use case, which I loved in Nostr, is that it's about self-hosting. It's about self-hosting data. Uh, what Bitcoin does for money, what RGB does for legal system and finance, Nostr does for data. And these three are really tight, closely coupled together. And I want to have at my, I want to buy a home personal server. Well, I have, but if I'm a user from my perspective, want to buy a box, put it at your home and be able to synchronize all accounts and all different applications on different mobile desktop devices uh, through this home node, not through the Google Cloud, not through the uh, Apple Cloud, iCloud, not through Dropbox, but through this box. And while I can do that for Bitcoin blockchain, running Bitcoin Core on that home box, or Lightning Node, running Lightning Node, I can't do that for data for now. Today, it's really hard to do that. And I would like that all applications use the API that allows them to sync and store the data, not in their cloud, but on this box. And Nostr for me is that API. And the social media is one of the edge cases of this larger use case. Mm -hmm. I really like the way you framed that just there, where you said, you know, Bitcoin is money, RGB is, you know, legal and financial contracts, and Nostr is data. When you combine those three together, Let's let's like think out, you know, a decade out when we have a, a mature ecosystem surrounding these three protocols. Is there anything missing? Yes. There, like, what is missing beyond those three? Intelligence. Yeah, artificial intelligence. Uh, All right. What's the uh, what's the tool that we we will be using for artificial intelligence well, a decade uh, out? I hope the same home box as I told, with the uh, empowered with additional processors which are capable of uh, machine learning and I'm actually an advisor in the project which works uh, on the idea of making uh, processors out of neural tissue called Tiamat Labs uh, which uh, I think it's it's a very good thing because uh, human brain not just human brain but any brain the neural tissue is much better than any silicon based processors if you think about that the heat production by the brain is so small and the power consumption is so small comparing to its computational capabilities it exists for much longer because it can self-repair than any cpu try to use hammer slightly against your head nothing would happen slightly but tried to do the same force to the CPU, it will be dead and never recover. And many, many, many other things. And uh, it wants actual intelligence, hopefully, uh, and uh, not emulation. And uh, that's why I think that construction of processors uh, from the neural tissue is the future. But even without that, you can have a dedicated neural processors in, in bulk home boxes today. The whole point is that it wouldn't efficient, it would be able to do complex things. And that's why 
uh, I started this meeting with my backstory and I was telling about this Pandora project and Prometheus protocol we did for distributed machine learning. So at the end of the day, well, all these components will be in place. We have a data layer with an Austrian money, illegal smart contracts with RGB we can run a Prometheus as decentralized uh, intelligence. As a network of decentralized intelligence where you can actually upload your eventually your consciousness and exist there without the risk that somebody will censor you or disconnect you. We've gone way into the science fiction rabbit hole here. This is incredible. So I want to make sure I have this correct here. Your your proposal here is to use human neural tissue as a processor for artificial intelligence. Is that kind of correct? Well, it wouldn't be artificial that much anymore. I know. Yeah, it would be a real, it would be real intelligence. It'd be a human. Yeah. Tissue, right? uh, well, I, it's not a proposal. It's 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 actually a startup that does that. There, there is a few others as well. Uh, huh. So that would become true eventually. I think. Very interesting. This is like, I I think the AI stuff is kind of, um, it's still something that I'm trying to wrap my head around, and uh, I, I feel like I have less of a grip on that than I do of any of the other Bitcoin lightning Nostra stuff, which I still am trying to wrap my head around. Um, so it, it feels like it's just another level of um, complexity and a lo- another level of unknowns and uncertainties. Um, do you have any good frameworks for thinking about the effect that AI may have yes. on, on the world? Yes. All right, let's see. The framework it. is very simple. It's called self-sovereignty. Self-sovereignty? Self-sovereignty. Oh, self-sovereignty. Yeah, you, you need to think about the problem, any problem in context of yourself and that self-sovereignty. So AI is just a tool, sRGB as many others. And as you can use a knife to kill somebody or Bitcoin to sponsor terrorism, you, of course, for sure, would be able to use AI to do a lot of nasty things. So blockchain and AI can be used and potentially will be used at least there are for sure attempts to use them, blockchain and AI, to build a digital concentration camps by governments. This is the fact. And it will continue to happen. At the same time, there are tools to build sovereignty for the individuals seeking it. So it's a tool. And it's the question of how we will use that tool. And the things we are doing is to build tools on for people to build certainty which can't be used for building uh, digital concentration camps. If you self-host at your home with your box, if you run Bitcoin Core node or node, if you run Nostra Relay, if you have your processor at your home, if you're using decentralized networks which are censorship resistant when you need it, for instance, you don't have, a, you wouldn't ever have enough computing power to use supercomputing uh, applications, but you would like to use them directly, not through paying taxes to a United States government running supercomputers predicting weather for you. You would like to have a direct access to that. So, and you can't do that with a self-hosting. There, where you need decentralized networks which can operate trustlessly and censorship resistant. That's where you need RGB contracts to be able to construct computing in this network with a game theory that would enable that trustlessness. So the self-sovereignty will use the same tools, just as setup will differ. And as 
As I said, we have non-profit doing the protocols, but we also have a for-profit company, Pandora Prime, which tries to create tools with the proper setup, enabling that self-sovereignty. This is wild. Really fascinating Thank discussion. You. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I, I learned a ton. I may have to go through this conversation again myself just to absorb everything. Um, it was just loaded with, uh, with great insight. So I appreciate you taking the time. Where can, go, where can people Thank go to learn more? Thank you for inviting and letting doing that. Of course. Where, where can people go to learn more about you and RGB? About RGB, there is a website called rgb.tech. It's the introductory website which has guidelines how to download tools, issue simple contracts. As I said, there would be a wallet providing high-level user interface, so today it's quite a low level, but it's a good place to start. About myself, I don't know the, the, should I advise people to learn about me because I don't want to be a, a, a brand guy of the RGB or of anything. I don't want to repeat the stories of preparing or everything, anything else. So I think, but if, if somebody interested, they can always find by my surname um, media where I have a personal blog and website. So it it's, can be find, found by Googling. Got it. Well, thank you again for the time, and uh, I hope we can do it again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Just a quick note, I am recording this outro for Maxim's episode at the exact same time as I'm releasing Shazan's episode, so I do not have any visibility into the sats or comments or anything you guys sent in this week. Um, I will have that in the next episode, so keep on sending in sats if you enjoy these episodes. Can't wait to see your comments from this week and uh, talk to you soon.